Welcome to another edition of a Personal Trainer's Guide to Wealth Creation. It's a podcast. I don't know what we're up to, mate, but it's a number of podcasts we've been doing. We've been entertaining you, giving you some great feedback, great content, of course. And uh, I love writing my own reviews, so... Obviously. Yeah, obviously. And I'm joined by my great mate and co-director of Create PT Well, Mr. Brad Shepard. Good morning, Mr. Brad Shepard. Good morning, Jason. And for those of you listening, uh, when, we've done this, when we did this podcast, it's literally 5am in the morning before a workout, so just to paint the picture. We're down in Melbourne here for our uh, two-day event, and uh, this topic come up uh, with a question on day one that we're going to cover, and we'll get to that in a moment. But firstly, mate, I know you're a researcher, you're always reading stuff, um, sometimes that's useful information, sometimes I don't know why you research it. <laughs> but look, mate, what kind of bit of trivia have you got in that big head of yours? Yeah, funny you ask that because I was just doing a bit of reading and research this morning and came up with a stat that I found particularly um, pertinent to our industry, the fitness industry, and that's the world record for the most squats performed in one hour. Yeah, and um, who was that done by and how many of that kind of stuff? No, it was done by a fella in the UK called Paddy Doyle. Oh, yeah, Paddy Doyle. Yeah, Paddy Doyle. Um, now, we're not talking. Got to be Irish. <laughs> you'd think you would be. Yeah. Eh? You'd, you'd have to. You'd have to assume that. Now, we're not talking weighted squats. We're talking, you know, body weight squats or oh, air yeah. squats or whatever name you put to them. But yeah. I, I gather the movement standard. I, I didn't find it, but I gather the movement standard would have been a full, you know, squat, ass to grass, pretty much. And he's done in one hour. Do you want to take a guess? How many you think he might have done in an hour? Seventy-eight. <laughs> He did 4,708 squats in one hour. What? Yeah. 4,708 squats in an hour. Mate, that works out to be, if I, let me just think about the maths of this, uh, that works out to be about 78 per minute. 78 squats per minute. So that means he's done 78 squats per minute. So think about this, listeners, right? Could you do 78 squats in a minute? Well, yeah, logically, you probably could, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, it's going for it. It's going for it. I'd put that up there as, you know, challenging but attainable. It's not, you know, unrealistic. (laughs) However, could you maintain that for every minute, then on for the whole hour? That's amazing. I've tapped out already. (laughs) I'll give it a crack, but Uh, I've tapped out. There you go. If you want to have a go, ladies and gentlemen, Paddy Doyle, he's got the record. If you want to grab it, 4,709 you would need to do or yeah. greater. We'll have a go. We won't, but you have a go and uh, you tell us how you went. <laughs> uh, all right, back on what we're going to talk about today is um, this uh, topic that comes up quite a bit for us and we get asked, um, what's, what's better, uh, you know, having a boot camp outdoors, you know, working at a, at a big commercial gym, uh, should I start a studio? Uh, what we're going to cover off on today, though, to keep it nice, short, and punchy, is um, more is starting a studio something that I should do? Is that um, is that something that uh, is is a good option? That's just our counter going in the background. Make sure we're on time every time, um, and that's what we're going to cover off on today. So maybe you're sitting there at home and you're wondering, should I start a studio up? Uh, maybe you're currently in a big uh, commercial gym, or maybe you're like you know, one of the twenty-four hour gyms and you know, you're, you're going, uh, you know, should I start my own studio up? Maybe you're working out of your home at the moment, out of a garage or something like that, and you're thinking, oh, look, maybe I'm outgrowing the space. So that's what we're going to cover off on today. We're going to look at a few key points. Um, just to help you more than anything, um, this is really just a guide, um, you know, to really get some clarity around what you should look for. So I guess to start off with, you, you really need to know your big why. So why are you wanting to do that? 
Um, and Brad, like in the seminars, when, when we hear people talking about, um, you know, when we ask them this, why you want to open the studio, what, what, I mean, what are some of the common things that we hear? Yeah, it, it really, what we commonly hear are words like, uh, look, I'm, you know, the typical scenario, and I'm, I'm, I'm generalizing with many of the comments that we hear, because we hear so many of them, but I'm in a gym, and in that gym, I'm a, you know, I'm a bit frustrated there, because number one, I sometimes, you know, run out of space at peak times, or I can't exactly do the exercises that I like doing, or alternatively, I don't get to wear my own uniform, because I'm under the rules of that facility, or on the flip side, maybe I've got a um, I've got a gym manager or someone who's a sales representative for the gym who's not that great at feeding leads to us. You know, there's those sort of things, and there can be sometimes we hear that kind of sentiment um, that could sit possibly a little bit in the negative. You know, it's almost like you know I'm having a bit of a whinge about the the environment and the scenario that I'm in, and so it seems like the grass is always greener on the other side, and. So the immediate response or reaction to that is, okay, I want to go out and open my own facility. Then I haven't got to deal with some half-wit who's not, you know, feeding me leads or, you know, any of that sort of stuff. The, um, the important part of all that for me when I hear it too is the emotional component of it. So there's a lot of emotion in that when we're talking about some of those topics, Brad, about, the, you know, talking about other people, managers and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so what, I mean, it's that classic rule, you may or may not heard it, is that you've got to take the emotion out of business. So, uh, you know, I understand we, we need to like the environment we're in if we're going to turn up every day. However, we're also going to look at it with some of those um, situations Brad mentioned, what we, what we often say at the workshop is, do you think there's a solution to some of those current problems where you currently are? Because the reality is if, you, if you're unable to uh, find a solution to the problems where you are currently, Chances are that just changing and going to a studio, you know, you're gonna you're gonna be. Um, it's not the way to solve the problem. You know, it's an emotional response, in my view, to get out of somewhere where you you're not liking. But you know, if you if you if you're in a situation where you go, okay, the manager's not selling. My always question is, well, what are you doing about it? What have you done about it? And so you need to give that situation your your all and find solutions anyway, especially if you're gonna go and now open your own studio. Mm. If, if, what happens when you know, you're know you now in replace of that manager who's not doing a great job of generating the leads and sales, which we'll get to in a moment. But, but that's my um, experience on as well. Like, yeah, and effectively, you know, some of the language we hear can be a little bit of that victim mentality. It's a bit of blaming. Like, yeah. yeah, a bit of blaming, a bit of finger pointing, all that. And you know, we really gotta preface this, this uh, discussion by saying that you know, we've ran this, this our event across the country for the last six years, 14 events throughout the year, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Perth, six and a half thousand trainers. We hear that we have a lot of these discussions and I wouldn't say, I wouldn't sit here and say that I would say that one model is better than the other. We've got on our programs, on our mentoring educational programs, we've got everyone using every type of model. So we've got studio owners, we've got people that work in 24-hour clubs, we've got people that work in some of the larger Super clubs as, oh. as rent-based trainers. People that hire at local community halls that run their, yep. their boot camps out of training. Out of. Outdoor boot camps. We've got people that operate from home, set up their garage, set up. We've got everything. And really, it doesn't matter what vehicle you use. It doesn't matter how you've got your business or, or where you do it. What does matter is the systems that you put in there. And so, you know, we advise a, a lot of our people accordingly uh, based to what's going to be best for their scenario and most profitable for them. Yeah. And then back to that why, like, well, a lot of the times what we don't hear is, um, you know, very rarely do we hear, uh, yeah, look, I've, I've sat down for my account and I've done a business forecast and this makes sense to do it. So, I mean, Brad, I guess when you're talking about 
you know, the model, it's, it's, it's not really are we pro studio or against studio or big gyms or whatever. It's really about can you um, show us the breakdown of this business model and does it make sense, you know. Yeah. Like just we're seeing, we're seeing it over and too many times, mm. a knee-jerk reaction or, you know, um, it's, it, you know, it might be someone's dream. They've always pictured having their own studio, but what they've failed to do is actually work out the actual fundamental business component of it and they're just doing a business forecast yeah yeah i agree it's almost like that build it they will come mentality it's like going okay well my solution to all of my frustrations and problems is to tell everyone else to jam it and i'm going to go and open up my place and now i'm in business ladies and gentlemen and i can prove it because i've got my business name on the front yeah and uh, it's now my facility and uh, that extends not only studios but you know functional fitness boxes crossfits etc you know it, it happens across the board and the sense of this thing where you know I, I had got at myself when I first had uh, the first gym we, we spent a lot of money decked it out in that same principle we had no idea about the marketing no idea about sales no idea about customer care systems <laughs> basically nothing you know <laughs> it was a very long time ago now it was a very expensive but valuable lesson but, but what we have seen mate is um, people opening up these studios and really decking them out, spending a lot of money, in my opinion, way too much money on the fit out and all the rest of it. Yeah. It's great, it looks well, and then guess what? Guess what? where there's no budget left? <laughs> there's no budget for marketing, there's no budget for actually then getting the clients in there. So you know you can have a misconception about if I deck this thing out, put the latest and greatest gear in there. Yeah, plasmas, uh, on, plasma plasmas on the walls and... All that stuff, then people are going to be impressed and they're just going to automatically somehow hear about us and, and turn up yeah. and that's going to be what sells people into using our facility, but it's not the case. Yeah. Yeah, I agree 100% with that. And so if we go back to, you know, I guess if we start speaking about some of the key fundamental business forecasts, you know, number one, you've got to have <coughs> your break even point. You know, you've got to think about well, how much money do we need to make uh, before we break even? And Really, that extends back to some of your, your very basic and mandatory costs and expenses. And there'll be many for you to outline, but if we start with some of the basics, like your rents, you know, your outgoings, being your power, your electricity, etc., your insurance, you start adding this up and you can pretty quickly see that these figures can add up. And across the board for studios or facilities, you know, we quite often see, I mean, probably I haven't seen much lower than five to $600 a week for a small space. That someone will get their hands on, you know, yeah. can even sometimes get it a bit lower depending upon what community you're in. But yeah. we start adding some costs on top of that, and can quickly you can quite easily see that, that you might be up to eight hundred dollars, sometimes up to a thousand dollars, just to keep the doors open. Yeah. So let's just, if we just use that as a nice big round figure, and um, you know, let's just call it a thousand bucks. Now some of you might be going, geez, oh, well, well, that would be a bargain. I would love to get it for a thousand bucks a week, but. Just for the purpose of this, we're talking fifty grand a year, but we're talking a thousand dollars a week that needs to be generated in that business prior to any money being made. All right, so let's have a think about this. The mentality that we sometimes hear from the trainer is to now do the mathematical calculation on themselves doing sessions. So it's like, okay, if I'm charging seventy-five dollars per session, and uh, my cost is a thousand bucks per week, probably means that um, I'm going to have to. Um, the trainer can be sitting there going, I need to punch out how many sessions. Let's have a look, punch into the calculator. <clears throat> um, it's probably going to be around about 12 or 13 12. sessions a week or something like that. Depend, well, depending on what they're charging, I guess. Yeah, it's say 75 bucks a session. Okay, we'll go, if we go 75, yeah, but then we're looking at about 13 sessions a week. Yeah, yeah. so about 13 sessions a week. The, 
So that can be sometimes a mentality that people put to it, you know. And my thinking and my first bit of advice to people will go, I would want to remove you from it altogether because if you've got to do 13 or 14 sessions even before you make a dollar, now this is keeping in mind, this is every single week. So we're probably assuming, you know, under these fees and calculations that you're not going to have a day off or a week off, you're not going to take holidays, you're not going to take time off at Christmas, etc. So it's quite a lot of sessions when you add it up like that. You go, you know, it might sound all right for one week, but you know, in my opinion as a business owner and as a business advisor, I probably wouldn't suggest that as your best strategy. So what I'd be speaking about straight away is number one, how do we get this business working, a model working where you don't have to produce that $1,000 a week? And there's numerous ways you can do that. Number one, you can be running some type of small group program that doesn't require a lot of time or energy from your perspective, you know? So it might be a semi-private model, some sort of boot camp model that you can get happening in there. Alternatively, you can have a trainer working for you and you can go, okay, if I was to set up my um, my charge out rates and, and um, in terms of feasibilities, I could make, let's say, about $30 per session from a trainer. I just gotta now figure out how many sessions I need to get that trainer doing till I get that $1,000. So let's say $30 margin, three sessions gets you 90 bucks, 30 sessions gets you $900, so about 33, 34 sessions a week. So if you've got a trainer in there, your margins are $30 a session, they're doing 34 sessions a week, then you've covered, you've broken even at that point in time. And that's, you know, to me, a very fundamental, basic way you could start looking at this right from the outset, totally flipping it on its head rather than just going, I'm gonna go and open this thing because I'm just passionate about having a studio. Yeah, uh, it's just such good advice and, you know, um, well, I had it come up just over the week with one of our current um, uh, internship uh, students and, you know, the smart thing you did was actually, you know, I went and negotiated the rent, all these things. There's little tips we won't go into today, but, you know, even if you find a place that hasn't been rented out for a long time, then you've got a lot more negotiating power. So it's really good to have somebody who's got some skill set in this area can really guide you through it. If that's a qualified mentor, business coach, or someone who's got a half a, half a clue, who's been there and done it, or you go and see your accountant. Either way, the stuff that Brad's talking about needs to be figured out. You, you definitely need to do a business forecast. We have a lot of those templates ourselves, but you know, you're going and, and going and seeing an expert is really our advice to make sure that you're really making the best decision. As Brad, Brad's correct, it's you know, it might be one thing to go and get a studio, and you know, um, you go, well, if I do 15 sessions of this, I've covered my rent, and I need to do another 15 sessions now to make a, a bit of a profit, the income. That's the other thing. Look at what, what do you actually want to earn? But what's your end? What's your end goal for your income? So you, that's got to be factored into it as well. So it's not just good enough to go. Well, this many sessions will cover the rent and the expenses. It's like, well, what, what do I actually want to make from this business? Is it a hundred thousand um, dollars clear? Is it a hundred thousand gross? Gross. You really got to do this part of it. Otherwise, it just doesn't make sense for you getting the business. And unfortunately. Well, um, a lot of we see a lot of small business owners just jump into business without really figuring this part out first. So like anything, if you're going to go and start, sometimes start a, um, a program to get into shape, um, there's a big difference between wanting to get uh, become a powerlifter versus wanting to become a bodybuilder versus wanting to trim down and tone down. So you've got to have the specific training program designed to hit that end result. And there's no different in business unless you have a way of being able to know what my end result is, how to measure it along the way, then you, you really are putting yourself at high risk. So mm. it's really just guesswork. And what we're aiming to do here by this podcast um, is give you our valuable experience. And now, you know, um, we've seen so many trainers, we've been in business for a long time as well. So we're passing on 
the knowledge we can. Are we always going to recommend, you know, get further expert advice? You know, mm. that's that's the that's the the end conclusion on that particular part of the financial part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And then what we want to start looking at is things like the profitability in this business. Now, if we if, let's just say you've covered this baseline thousand dollars a week and you're not exchanging time for money to produce that thousand dollars a week. The next thing we want to look at, and if we look at the scenario of you being in a gym and you know being having access to members and leads and things like that, all of that comes with an econ economic value attached to it when we break it down. Because what again, what we hear in some of our gigs is that, oh look, I'm fed up with the gym. I'm paying three hundred bucks a week rent, and you know it's just dead money. I'm just paying it to the gym. Well. Look, it's not dead money. You get a state-of-the-art facility. You get access to the equipment. You get access to leads, members. You know, we start adding all that stuff up. It's a very low-cost way to run a business. You ask any business owner that has a premises, and they'll tell you that three hundred, three fifty, four hundred bucks a week, or you know, even less than that in many in many situations, is a very low amount to run a business. Well, you've run your whole. You've run your, your you know your business. Out of a commercial gym the entire time. That's right. Twenty years running a personal trainer business, and we've never opened our own studio. We've always ran it from underneath someone else's roof and been able to negotiate great arrangements with which were win-win scenarios. Yeah, and that's an important part of that. You good negotiator, so it's a good skill set to have as well. Mm. So if we have a look at the difference between these two, let's say you've covered your thousand bucks a week, and now you go, okay, well, what I need or what I'd like to receive is, let's say, an additional fifteen hundred dollars a week to live and to get by because I want to, you know, do things, take holidays, pay my rent or my mortgage, eat, you know, etc, etc. What you also need to factor in, there are some costs for running this business and marketing it because, you know, if you haven't got access to members or leads or things like that, you've got to run some ad campaigns, you've got to run some Facebook ads, you've got to spend some time in this area and you've got to figure out, okay, what's the economic cost behind that? Yeah. And so maybe you, you need to invest in that Two or three hundred bucks a week you might have paid to a gym. Maybe you need to put that into your advertising campaign. And that, again, that's a part where we see so many trainers, you know, just totally neglect, have no idea, or, or fail to do. And it can quite often come back to the economic side of it. Well, I can't spend two hundred bucks a week on advertising because I don't have that money there. This is why we say right from the outset, you need to do your feasibilities. You need to lock this sort of stuff in and have a budget for it. So you know, yeah. you're going to start a studio and go, well, or, you know, anywhere. Um, what's my budget for marketing, you know? And then, you know, it's a whole, not the whole, not the whole um, uh, topic and podcast on how to test and measure the results of your marketing, but, you know, you've got you to get a return on any investment that you make in business. Mm. Now, the other, um, and if I flipped again back to, you know, just that, that little comparison, you might be in a facility, in a gym facility, and you might be at a ceiling with uh, the amount of staff you can have. So the rules might be, it can only be you. You can't hire any trainers, and, you know, if you're, Hire another trainer, well, they've just got to go under their banner and, you know, pay an additional rent and et cetera, et cetera. On the flip side, in your own studio, you've got the autonomy to be able to build that business. And that's the bit that I see quite exciting, you know, the opportunity that exists. So, you know, even we've seen very small facilities and um, trust me, we've seen all sorts of types of facilities. But, you know, speaking about Hayley Becker's facility over in Perth, when I first saw that, Hayley currently has a team of 10 trainers. Um, runs an $11,000 a week business and you know when I walked into her facility and she won't mind me saying this I was you know blown away by how much it wasn't you know it was a um, in terms of the equipment so forth there was a, a power rack a dumbbell rack um, a couple of Swiss balls um, you know one other piece of equipment and 
you know, I was going, wow, this, there's not a lot of gear in here. She's got a place where they do group fitness um, classes as well. But, you know, what I was so impressed about was the highest level of quality, the highest level of service, the way that her customers are treated, the way that they bring people in, people feel, feel like part of their experience. So, you know, she's gone through that. She's gone with that organic growth model. So rather than go, look, let's just spend heaps of money just decking out this big joint, She's gone, well, let's, make, let's take a joint that is not the biggest in town. Um, it's not the flashiest, but we're going to make it the best by the way that we, uh, we have an impact on people's lives. And, you know, that's the type of thing that really um, blew me away. And she was able to really organically grow that business, duplicate it, keep doing that year on year on year. So Without increasing her expenses and all the rest of it. Absolutely, yeah. So it's any, any business, um, and we're talking about startups here or studios, but you know, it's a good part. It's not hard to increase your expenses. It's not hard you know, to spend more money on equipment, all that stuff. But, you know, really doesn't add any more value to your business and doesn't make any more profit. So mm. um, the one thing I just want to, I want to I, I, without flipping too far back to the gym scenario, there's really, this is an important uh, part to this. And that is, you know, if you are in the gym and you're thinking it's it's not working for you, all the stuff that we, Brad mentioned at the start, you know, you really, if you're not able to uh, make that situation work for you, you know what I mean by that, if you're not prospecting on the floor, or you, um, it's not just about prospecting on the floor, have you learned the effective communication skills and ability to promote yourself and influence people to get more clients? If you have not had the, um, if you have not been doing that, or you haven't learned the skills to do that, then you're not maximizing that situation you're in anyway. I, I lose count the amount of trains I go, oh, look, oh, no, look, members don't like to be annoyed and, you know, I don't like going up to them and, yeah, I don't know if they've got another trainer and there's all these excuses why they don't go and do it. And so if you're unable to get yourself to do that and then you want to go up to the studio thinking that's the, that's the cure, then, you know, you're in for a rude shock because, you know, now... You don't have those people standing right in front of you, and I understand you've got to get over some fear, which is really what's going on. Um, and not only do you have to then go and find them by doing your own effective marketing, then you have to be even better at the selling part of it as well. Mm. So my advice and our advice is that if you're in a situation, Mike and Big Jim, and you're not maximizing it, at least do yourself a favor, get good at that part of the skill set that you really need to run your own business outside of a big gym first and foremost. Mm. Otherwise, you're going you're gonna to be in for a really big rude, you're going to be in for a rude shot. Mm. Yep, I agree 100% with that. The next thing that we'll look at, Brad, is um, we've talked a lot a bit about the studio versus the big gym and um, we, we like to talk about it. And look, just before we, before we move on to that, what I like, I, I, hear, I hear you say it often, Brad, you say, um, the people look. If your model's not working, um, if if what uh, if the model that you're running at the moment is not you know happy with, and you have done everything in your power to make it effective, then change it. So you're always talking about just change it. Look at your model. If it's not working, don't just persist with it. Don't whinge about it. Don't complain about it. Do something about it and change. So once again. It all comes back to look at your facts and figures. Have you done everything in your power to maximize the model that you're currently running? Am I getting every last bit of profit out of that? And if it's not working, then hey, let's move on and change it. So very important part. Next, we can look at uh, a couple of areas like there's uh, the effort. So once again, once you've done all your fees, if you think about getting into a studio, just once you've done all the business side of it, 
and you've worked out what it's actually going to require for you to get the profit that you want or make that business work, then you need to look at uh, you need to look at well, how much effort is this going to require for me versus reward? So you go, yep, look, uh, I can see how this is going to play out, and of course, everything only is good on uh, you know the paper, the goal setting you do is that, that's that can very much change once you go and do it in a practical sense. But we do need to look at go well, look realistically for this business to work, for this studio, if I want to start up to work, this is what it's going to take me. I've done the fees I can see myself working here 60, 70 hours a week. And just as long as that might be a short-term thing, then you have to then decide, is the effort worth the risk and the reward? That's really what you've got to look at. Or am I better doing it another way? So I, we, we brought along a look at that. We've got young families, and so we think we do. We look at, okay, um, we might have to work some more hours, get up a bit earlier, do this thing, but we can see light in the tunnel. It's going to be a short commitment. If, on the other hand, we didn't see light there in the tunnel, that we just meant more, more work, more, more travel, whatever it may be, we're both going to look at each other and go, is this effort worth it? Because it's going to mean we time away from our families, things that we value. So, I mean, what's your take on that, mate? You, mm. got, you got anything to add? Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd agree absolutely 100% with that because... It's back to that thing in, in terms of the basic fundamental planning. If you're not if you're not forecasting and planning this stuff out, what you can do is you can find yourself trapped. You know, you can find yourself twelve months down the track, and it's like you've you've gone. I'm prepared to do whatever it takes at the beginning to make this thing happen. And you know, no doubt, many people who start a business are, are willing to do that. However, you get three months down the track and you're still doing sixty hours a week. You're nine months down the track doing the same. You're twelve months down the track doing the same. You're two years down the track doing the same. And, you know, it's the classic case, you know, you're burnt out. You, at this point in time, you've pretty much bought yourself a self-employed J-O-B and, um, and it's just relied upon you being there all the time and, and that is not a business. And this is what you were talking about before, like going into the attitude or the mindset of, you know, knowing, knowing all your figures, knowing all your facts, but really wanting to remove yourself from it. So don't, don't do your equations based on you having to make the income to yeah. run the studio. Like... What you're saying is, even if you if you do start with yourself, mm. you pretty quickly want to have your first trainer on, second trainer on, yep. to remove yourself from this job that you're going to put yourself in. And we've seen it that people three years later, they're still there at their studio, 50, 60 hours a week, yep. getting burnt, getting tired, yeah, and um, not loving life and all the rest of it. So you can you can create this monster that just needs feeding. Yeah, we even see it uh, happen. We've got quite a number of uh, functional fitness boxes, CrossFit boxes now that we. Or on our program, we mentor and coach, and it could be the classic scenario again. The barrier to entry on a, a functional fitness box or a CrossFit box is quite low. You know, you can probably deck your joint out for about you know 20, 30 grand. You know, if you if you're kicking off. Now you're in a big commercial space, and depending upon where you are, if you're in a reasonably inner city location, you might be paying up to anywhere from eight hundred to a thousand bucks for a nice big warehousey space, and you're going, okay, this is great. I can get kicked off get my gear pretty cheap, I haven't got to invest a lot of money, um, open the doors, and then you run into the membership model, which we're a big fan of, so people are paying a weekly fee, let's call it 50 bucks a week to come and uh, participate in your classes, and you're running morning classes, mid-morning classes, lunchtime classes, nighttime classes, and the model looks reasonably attractive in many ways, and you know, we're big fans of it, we've been able to really maximize it for our clients. However, again, you can be tr sucked back into this thing of just you know feeling compelled to be the only person who runs these classes, and you know, no, no one does it as good as me. Um, I'm going to be the, the head coach, the head trainer. So now I'm there from 5 a.m. until 8 p.m. every day. 
Um, you know, sure, you've got some breaks in the middle, but pretty much in between that, you're chasing your tail, and, you know, just trying to keep this joint open. And you get you start to build a few members and word spreads and people refer new people and all that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, really, if you're not back to this thing of sales and marketing, if you don't treat it like that, the sales and marketing company, again, you can just be trapped in this thing where suddenly now you're bringing in two grand a week, three grand a week, but you know, it's pretty much costing you somewhere around that just to keep these doors open. Yeah, so I mean, the overall flavor, Braddock's, we're getting at, the, the message we're trying to get across is, it's just do your due diligence, really, do your homework, really make sure that you get that expert advice, make sure the decision's based on um, a great combination, more so it's actually logically makes sense to do it, you've done all the facts, visos, you know what you're getting yourself into, you know what you've got to do, you know what's required. Mm. Uh, you've got a good plan across the board, at least at least five years. If you've got a like lease agreement for three or five years, and well, you want to make sure that that plan matches the time you're going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, you really look at having it as a business and not as a job. I mean, look, that's our opinion, I guess. Like you know, if you want to be just self-employed, work for yourself, um, I guess you know that's for the individual to decide. However, our advice is that it means you are going to be trapped in that job. You know, it's going to be a higher risk. Don't work, don't get paid, hard to pay rent, Christmas time, it's going to be, a, uh, we've seen it, mm. firsthand it's going to be a lot of stress. So really that's the message we're, we're getting across here, like it's not about are you working in a gym, are you working in a studio, do you work outdoors, it's really about do your business side of it, yep. is it matching up to the lifestyle that it needs to provide you, yep. don't just get yourself a job and you know really get expert advice. Yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. And, you know, it's back to that thing in business, you want to keep this thing, you know, in my opinion, as, as simple as possible. You don't want to overcomplicate it just for the purpose of getting your name on something. The um, the other thing that um, comes to my mind also is um, back to just some of those basic fees again. So if you're in a studio and you go, well, I want this, get the studio pump and I want it to be running 250, 45 minutes appointments a week, right? So it's roughly a thousand appointments a month, but you go 250 appointments per week. What does it take for me to get there? How many trainers do I need? Because of course you can't do 250 sessions a week. You're going to need to start to build a team of people. And then you might go, well, how long am I prepared to work at this until I get to those 250 appointments a week? And if you're reasonably ambitious, you might say, okay, well, I'm going to make that in 12 months time. Uh, conservatively, it's going to take me two years. All right, so you've got a couple of um, ranges there, but let's just say you're, you're incredibly ambitious and you're going to go 12 months and I'm going to get this thing pumping. Then we just got to sort of work backwards from there. We go, well, what does that mean for me? Where do I need to be at the six month mark? Well, breaking that down, it's 125 appointments per week. Okay, is that looking realistic? You know, do I think that this is possible? Three month mark, where do I need to be? Well, 60 odd appointments per week. Do we need to have a week on week growth to get to that point, keeping this in mind? So 13 weeks is three months to get to 60 appointments per week. Is that doable? How many is it? Well, it's 20 in the first month. In the second month, I need to go from 20 to 40. In the third month, I need to go from 40 to 60. And when you start breaking it now, you start going, hold on, this is quite potentially realistic. Uh, and you need to keep sanity checking it. You need to keep going, is this, is this something that I could see doing? You know, So 20 a month means five a week. It's one a day. One client per day for five days in a week. Then we go back from there. We go, well, what does it take you to get one client? How many leads do you need coming into your business? How many conversations do you have? So if you're particularly good at converting and you've got, let's say, a, um, an 80% conversion rate or greater, well, you go, well, hold on, 8 out of every 10 clients that I speak to, I'm going to convert them. 
So now this is looking pretty good for me to get five clients in a week. Maybe it's only eight people I need to speak to. So you get to see the maths on it, and we, we the biggest thing we do is always break that down, keep breaking that down to the lowest common denominator, because 250 appointments a week can sound like a lot, however, when we break it down um, like that, it can become way more bite-sized, and you know, the late, great Stephen Covey said, you know, by the yard it's hard, and by the inch it's a cinch, so it's, um, it's back to that motto. So we're, on, we're pretty much out of time. Uh, the other two components that are important and used to cover it off and then is marketing and sales. So remember, if you are going to open up your studio, um, you know, like once again, you know, we're, it can be highly successful if you do everything right we just, that we just discussed. But you are going to be responsible for attracting clients to your business. So you're going to need to really be across your marketing, do it effectively, know how to do it effectively. Um, what I mean by that is, have you actually been educated in emotional response marketing, hypnotic marketing? Stuff that really stands out from the pack. And then secondly, if you get those leads coming in by your website, um, yeah, actually people calling you because they've seen some marketing that's got them to respond, then of course you've got to have that clear and precise and predictable system for how to convert those people into uh, into members and into all in the clients for your business. And then of course, you know, you've got to have a great client journey experience, customer care that then, then serves to um, have them uh, stay with you for a longer period, which is what we'd call client retention. So customer, the customer care system, you know, really aids to help clients, a lifetime value of your clients stay with you, uh, you know, so your business, you know, can be more profitable. So the whole marketing and um, sales part of it, what can be of assistance to you at this point is, if you were, if you go to ptbiz, B-I-Z-Z.com.au, there'll be some really great resources there that can help you with that. One in particular is, uh, sales process that we use and how to overcome objections. So if you're sitting there and you're going, well, I've got no experience in marketing at all and sales, well, you know, some days I get it, some days I don't, but I don't really have a predictable method for how to do it. I know I struggle if I get hit with a curveball objection, then you want to get yourself onto this site and go and grab that re those resources and that'll be a first step. But our recommendation is always going to be, look, if you're really serious about um, boosting the success of your business if you need help in any of those key areas systems, sales, marketing you know, building a team, getting passive income removing yourself from it then you know, why not pick up the phone or why not, why not contact us uh, we'd, love to, we'd love to speak to you what we would do is we'd sit down and have a, a friendly consult to really figure out where your business is at and what it needs to, uh, what needs to occur to make that happen so uh, Brad, I guess what's the most effective way for someone uh, to reach us? You know, just contact the office. Yeah. Uh, yeah Lynn at um, uh, Lynn at createptwealth.com.au. Uh, just, just uh, you can write an email through just saying to Lynn that you've heard the podcast, uh, you listened to that, and you'd love to just find out more about the, uh, the business analysis check-in session, which is absolutely no cost. It's just you taking one small step to inquire about how you can improve the quality of business. So if that sounds like something you'd just like to take a little first step in, like Stephen Covey said, a bit of an inch step, then uh, we'd love to hear from you and just uh, see if we can help you in any possible way. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And so ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us today. Look, our big advice is go out there and make sure you, that you start action in this stuff, spend the time in this particular area. And um, hey, if you don't want to do that, maybe you can just have a crack at doing those 4,708 squats in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we're off to do right now. So um, it's bye from me. And it's good night from me.